Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We podcast a Bible study for those who could not be with us at the building in person on Wednesday evenings for our midweek Bible classes, and also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to be able to have the opportunity and the means and the ability to be able to spread God's word on such a wide on such a wide based uh, uh, you know broad based basis be able to reach out through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts to teach God's word everywhere where the internet is available and we're thankful to be able to do that now if you're in the Omaha area we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And we get together on Wednesday evenings for Bible classes at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. And that's the time when these podcast Bible studies are posted on our website and are made available to those who are taking part in our podcasting ministry. 6.30 each Wednesday evening. Now, we also encourage you to be with us for our Sunday morning Bible classes at 9.30, our worship service at 10.30, and we're back in the building on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock for evening worship service. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We encourage you to come and visit with us, study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us. Get to know us, let us get to know you. And we pray that as you do that, that we can encourage each other to build on our faith and come closer to God. We want to also encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. If you have not already done so, scroll down to the podcast button, click on that and sign up for our podcasting. When you do that, you will automatically receive these Wednesday night Bible classes along with our Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, all of our sermons. And you'll also receive our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. Also, a seven-day-a-week short Bible study getting us into God's Word for about 13 minutes every day. But that's important. It keeps us in God's Word, keeps us focused on our relationship with God and upon our spiritual well-being and strength, upon our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So being there every day in God's Word, seven days a week, even for just a few minutes, that helps us to stay strong in our faith. And that's called today's Bible class. While at our website at churchofchrist.com, you can also access hundreds of sermons and also hundreds of scripturally-based and and spiritually-focused articles. You can download those. You can read through those, study through those. You can also listen to all of those sermons. Always there, and it is always free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So take advantage of that. We also encourage you to share these Bible classes with everybody you can on a regular basis through Facebook friends, text messages, or whatever other technological means you can use. But you may help somebody get deeper into God's Word. You may help them grow in their faith. You may help some turn their lives around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them.
but it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing today with everybody you can, your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can regularly. We're going to get back into our study from Second Peter, and we're getting toward the end of this study. We'll be still be in this particular letter for a little bit, but uh, we're going to focus on verse 9 today. Now, last time, we spent all of our time pretty much on verse 8. We're talking about there in verse 8, and certainly verse 9 flows right from that, where there are a whole lot of people who... Peter portrays them as being scoffers. Now, some of them probably, maybe the vast majority of them, did not even believe in Jesus Christ or Christianity or the church to begin with. Some of them may not even have believed in God, but probably most of them believed in God, but they rejected Jesus. But I suspect that some of those whom he identifies as scoffers probably believed in Jesus at least to some extent, in some way. But they were scoffing because, of course, the gospel message is to lead us to salvation in Jesus Christ, but also that's to get us ready for eternity. And one day Jesus is coming back, and part of the reality of the broader gospel message is that he's coming back to judge the world, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, and that all of us will have to stand before him in his judgment seat, and we're going to have to give account of the way that we've lived our lives, whether good or bad, whether righteous or unrighteous, whether obedient to his teachings or disobedient. Now, that's a reality. That's coming. Again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Acts chapter 17, verse 31. And in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31, that particular message is so emphatic that it points to God raising Jesus from that tomb as absolute assurance that he's going to come back and judge mankind. Now, of course, also Peter says, and we'll get into this probably next time, but in verse 10 of Second Peter chapter 3, Peter says that the day of the Lord is coming. He, he likens that day, the surprise that it will be to so many people as, as a thief in the night. But now also he says that that's going to be the day, not only when Jesus will judge the world as our Lord, that is judge mankind, but God will destroy this earth as we know it today with fire. A lot of people, they may not recognize, may not want to believe, may not want to accept that that particular event is going to happen at judgment, but it will. The scriptures are repeated in teaching us that, in stating that, and emphasizing that. Remember that God destroyed the world with water in the days of Noah because of the wickedness of mankind. Well, certainly we look around us today and we would have to think, uh, uh, Ooh, the wickedness of mankind is, is sure getting worse and worse, it would seem, right now. Well, one day, God is going to bring this world to an end. And it will be on that day that he sends his son to judge mankind. And we will be held accountable as to whether or not we're ready for heaven or whether we're going to spend eternity in condemnation and torment in hell. Again, a lot of people don't want to think about that. They don't want to accept that, but 
that all of that is reality. It's coming. Now, that goes to what Peter was talking about in the first seven verses of Second Peter chapter 3. A whole lot of people, they see, okay, well, nothing's changing, is it? As far as this world, its physical nature, the sun comes up every morning, it goes down every night, the seasons change all through the regular times of the year, the years tick off on the calendar, we go to bed at night and fall asleep, we wake up in the morning, we do our work, and so on. And so he refers to them as being scoffers, uh, scoffing at the idea that the Lord's coming again on that final day of judgment. When's it going to happen? It hasn't happened yet. Now imagine that Peter was pointing out that there are people scoffing at that particular teaching of truth, that there will be a judgment day, and there will be a day when God destroys this world because of the wickedness of mankind. And that was only a relatively few years after Jesus was here on this earth. Now, when did Peter write Second Peter? Within just a couple of decades, probably, something like that, uh, after Jesus was here on this earth after he ascended back to heaven. And within that short period of time, there were already scoffers. Well, it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus ascended back to heaven, and there are scoffers today, probably in greater numbers than there were at that time, even though there were far more Christians today than there were at that time, as the population has expanded and as the gospel has been, has been spread throughout so much of humanity. But there's also a huge percentage of people, a larger number of people possibly, in fact, maybe much larger, who are not Christians, who have not come to Jesus, who do not believe in Jesus and the Christianity that he brought to mankind, they don't believe the gospel, then there are people who do. Now, that may be hard for us to wrap our minds around in our country because most people in our country, the vast majority, would say, well, well, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. And we would look around us and say, yes, Christianity, in its kind of loose form at least, is the predominant belief system or religion that is believed in in this country. But you go to other countries, it's not so. Many other countries, in fact, maybe most of the other countries on this earth, that's not necessarily the case. We would even look at Europe and we would say, well, surely everybody in Europe or most everybody believes in God, believes in Jesus and they're Christians and so on. Not necessarily so. A lot of pretty empty church buildings over there. A lot of secularism. People are focused on their physical lives and their secular lifestyles. Christianity has waned tremendously in Europe. So you see, the scoffers are out there. When is Jesus coming? You really think God's going to judge mankind? You really think God's going to bring this world to an end? You think there really is a hell? Uh, the answer to all of those questions is yes, as we read about those realities in the scriptures, but a whole lot of people, they either outright reject them or else they just kind of give it a wink and a nod and, and, and kind of blow it off. 
well, scoffers in Peter's day, so close to the time that Jesus was here on this earth. And it should not be surprising to us that almost 2,000 years later, there's a whole lot of scoffers out there today as well. And so what Peter writes here applies to us equally as it did to those to whom he first sent this letter. In verse 8 again, as we noted last time, and we spent our time on verse 8 mostly last time, Peter says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, he's not talking about every day in God's eyes is like, or, or is a thousand years. And so you start, you know, calculating it out. And so, okay, how many thousands of years has it been? How many days then in, in, to God has that been? That's not what he's saying. It's not a, it's not a literal uh, kind of exacting application. He's simply saying with God, he is eternal. And so time is without end. Peter could have put down there 10,000 years are as a day with the Lord. And a day is as 10,000 years. Or he could have said 20,000 years, whatever the case. He's simply talking about the eternal nature of God. Time has no meaning to God. He is eternal. And we made this point, not only time without end, but also time without beginning. God always was, he is now, and he always will be. And so we looked at a number of passages of scripture that talk about about his being as being from everlasting to everlasting, time without end, time without beginning. Now we come to verse 9, and Peter says all of that to then make the point that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Peter is saying, you're scoffing because it's been 20 or 25 years maybe since the Lord left this earth and ascended back to heaven. It's been a relatively brief period of time since the teaching of judgment has been passed on to mankind, and you're scoffing? You need to change your mindset and your viewpoint as to this time passing instead of somehow processing it in your mind to say, it was all a bunch of bunk to begin with. Now nah, it never was true. It was just a lot of exaggeration. It was some preachers, you know, uh, just going too far. They're adding things on their own to scare us. No, Peter is saying, you need to understand, this time that is passing and the Lord has not come yet to judge mankind, God has not yet put his finger on the button, so to speak, to say this world is coming to an end, Peter says, that's God's patience with you, giving humanity time to come to understand the truth about God, about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, about heaven, about hell, about salvation, and about condemnation, about righteousness and unrighteousness. God He's not slack. He's not 
he's not someone who is absent-minded about how much time is passing. It's on purpose. He's giving us time to learn, to come to our senses, and to repent, because God does not want anyone to perish. The first part of verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Well, if we go back to Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3, and this is probably a book that most of you have not looked at in some time, but here's the principle in some length spelled out for us. In verse 3, well, let's go back to verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who needs that he may run who reads it. And here's the principle brought out in verse 3 of what we have looked at back in in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The principle in verse 3 of Habakkuk chapter 2 For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And so the prophet Habakkuk is writing for us, when God makes a prophecy, when God pronounces something as going to happen, Don't be confused that it doesn't happen as fast as you think it should happen. God is giving the time for that to come to be through his purpose and his plan. And so at the end of the time, and only God knows when that time will be, when that end will come, it will speak. Okay, the prophecy will be fulfilled. The promise will come to be. It will not lie. Though it tarries, in our eyes, why is it taking so long? Well, Peter's, in Peter's day, some people were saying that. It hasn't happened yet, so it must not be going to happen. No, no, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And we might understand that last statement, it will not tarry. It will not tarry forever. When God says something is going to happen, it is going to happen. Now, just because it doesn't happen in the time frame that we think maybe it should happen does not mean it's not going to happen. It's going to be, but God's plan is working out to full fruition. If we look at Isaiah chapter 30 and we read verse 18, we read similarly along this line. Isaiah 30 and verse 18, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Now, isn't that exactly what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all all come to repentance. Well, that's what Isaiah wrote back here. In Isaiah 30 and verse 8, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Now whatever the prophecy might be, for the Israelites, the prophets wrote many prophecies. 
their prophets wrote many prophecies about the coming Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. But hundreds of years passed before many of those prophecies came to fulfillment. And so Isaiah the prophet, Habakkuk the prophet, and Peter here, the apostle, and he's prophesying here in this particular letter about what is going to come to be, they were all saying the same thing. Don't get discouraged from one point of view, and also don't become complacent from another point of view. Because what God has prophesied through his scriptures has not yet come to fulfillment. Don't get the don't let the devil fill your head with the idea that yeah it was all a lie to begin with or it was all just a lot of exaggeration or it's never going to happen anyway for whatever point of for whatever line of reasoning no all of these said the same thing god is being patient with us and god has a plan and a purpose and it has a timeline and only he knows that timeline. Even Jesus, when he was talking about that final day of judgment coming, he says, the angels don't know. Even I don't know. But only the Father in heaven knows when that day will be. But while God is putting that off for a time, He's giving us, it's a purposeful kind of waiting period that he's, through which he's giving us time to come to our senses, to learn his truth, his teachings, and repent and come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. He's giving mankind time. God is not slack concerning his promise. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. Now, there are a whole lot of supposed preachers, teachers, theologians out there who are telling a whole lot of people that, you know, I don't know exactly how all of them are putting it, but the, 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 the sense is coming across to people, apparently, from the way they're interpreting it, that almost everybody's going to be in heaven, no matter how they've lived their life. They can be living in outright sinful lifestyles, but they're still going to be in heaven because God is a God of grace and love and mercy and, and all of that and forgiveness. Well, God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. He's also a God of patience, but that patience is meant to a great extent to give us time to come to our senses through learning his word and then realize, I need to repent. I need to be baptized into Christ so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins, Acts 22 and verse 16. God is not being lackadaisical. And when you look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he said most people are going down the wrong road through this life, this physical life the road that leads to destruction and eternal condemnation in hell. And only the few, he says, are traveling down that narrow pathway of truth that leads to heaven and eternal life therein. In fact, if you drop down in that, in that seventh chapter of, of Matthew's gospel account, you look at verses 21 through 23, 
He says even a whole lot of people who call him Lord, indicating they must believe on him, and even many who say that they're doing good works in his name, are still traveling down the wrong road because they're not following him according to God's will, according to the teachings of God's word. They may be saying they're following Jesus as their Lord in some way that pleases them, that makes them feel good, but it's not in keeping with what the scriptures teach as to how we should be following him. And so Jesus says even a whole lot of believers are not going to be in heaven. So we need to come to our senses and understand God is giving us time to repent. He doesn't want anybody to be lost eternally. But the last part of verse 9 is that all should come to repentance. We have a responsibility. God expects us to turn away from disobedience and come to obedience to his teachings. In John chapter 3 and verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But you see, he brought a message of salvation, a message of repentance. What did Jesus say in Luke, in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3? Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he repeated it again in verse 5. And he's using some examples of individuals that the people of that day understood. They knew those stories. And he says, you think those folks were worse sinners than everybody else in the world? Because what happened to them happened to them? He says, I tell you, no. But except you repent. Now, he was talking to people who believed in God. But except you repent, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We need to come to understand the truth. The truth is there for a reason. A whole lot of people, they will say, well, I believe in God. Oh, I love God. I love Jesus. Oh, yes, I've got this wonderful relationship with, with them. I, I just feel so close to them. But they're living in sin, all kinds of sinful lifestyles. And they don't know what the Bible really says about faithfulness, how to live that faithful life before God and before Jesus, because they don't read the Bible. And yet, Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 48 that we're going to be judged by his words. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul reminded Timothy that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to know God's word in a reasonably concise way so that we can know how to follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how to be able to look forward with confidence of being forgiven of our sins and being in a saved relationship with God through Christ. God's giving us time to learn, again, to turn away from sin, to stop letting the devil hoodwink us into thinking that living in sinful lifestyles is okay. It's not okay. 
And it doesn't matter what the culture around us or society says. If it violates God's word, it's sin. It's sin. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, the apostle Paul said, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Isn't that what Peter said? God is is exhibiting long-suffering toward us? not willing that any should perish. Paul says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Paul is saying, what are you thinking? Are you being complacent because God has not yet sent his son back to call all mankind to judgment? God has not yet sent the fire to destroy this world as he sent the water to destroy the world in Noah's day? Are you being complacent? Are you being arrogant? Don't you understand, Paul says, God is giving you time to come to repentance? God doesn't want anybody to be lost. When we look at Ezekiel chapter 33, Ezekiel chapter 33, another one of the Old Testament prophets. And what does he write there along this line? Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? But if we do not turn from our wicked ways, what is implied there? We're going to die spiritually. We're going to be lost forever. We're going to spend eternity in the condemnation of hell. God doesn't want that for us. But he's trying to get across to us. There's an enemy out there trying to lead you to that kind of spiritual destruction and torment. And that enemy is the devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, here the apostle Paul wrote, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We must come to the knowledge of the truth and respond to it obediently because Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8 and verse 32. And that truth is none other than God's word. John 17 and verse 17. So Peter gives us an important lesson here. In follow-up to his correction and rebuke of the scoffers who think time's just going on, nothing's happening. When's the Lord coming? Hadn't come yet. Probably not going to come at all. Peter says, oh no, he's coming. Why are you scoffing? You need to recognize that God is giving you time to repent and come to the Lord for forgiveness and salvation. He's giving us this time right now but the clock is ticking. For each of us, as we live our physical lives, unless the Lord comes again first, we're going to die physically. 
And at that point, our time to come to repentance will be over. If the Lord comes again first, he's going to catch us by surprise. And I'm not saying he's trying to do that. I'm simply going to say we're going to be surprised because it will be a sudden event. And if we're unprepared when he comes again, it will be too late again. We need to open our eyes. We need to come to repentance. We need to come to God through Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Help us to open our eyes. Help us to stop being complacent, and please help us to not be arrogant. Help us to recognize that we are living in a time where you're being patient with us, and help us to see our need to repent and come to you for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. We pray this, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.